to the Nick and Nolan Show, a Buffalo Rumblings podcast with your host, Nick Bat. The Prime Minister of Sweden visited Washington today, and my tiny little nipples went to France. And Bruce Nolan. Yo, brethren, what up with thee? Welcome, everybody. Thank you so much for joining us for this edition of the Nick and Nolan Show, a Buffalo Rumblings podcast. I'm one of your two co-hosts, Nick Bat. You can find me on Twitter at N-I-C-K-B-A-T. And along with me, as always, Bruce Nolan. You can find me on Twitter at Bruce Exclusive. So let me just let me just bring y'all up to speed here. Uh, I know this you're only, you're only 30 seconds into this bitch, but... Uh, we're not. We are not. Um, Bruce and I have already had the conversation that you are going to hear for the last hour. <laughs> and we've transitioned from being um, a murderous rage into uh, middle school girl giggly at the sleepover. I, I'm, I'm punch drunk at this point. This is, um, this is the absolute f- definition of not great, Bob. Not great, Bob! absolutely we this is that is where we are right now so you know in in some ways it's rather fitting because this is you know a facsimile of how we've been feeling after this football game on sunday yeah uh we had some really good stuff set up uh things were going well liked where we were really liked where we were i felt good about what we had just done i think our game plan was better than dable's and uh here we are Having to uh, go back to the drawing board, as they say. We're going to pretend like this is a completely organic conversation that has literally never happened, aside from right now. Yeah, luckily, you guys guys aren't going to be able to see our facial expressions throughout this pod. They can hear our facial expressions. Maybe. Maybe. So, as I said earlier... (laughs) (laughs) I preface all of this with, as I said earlier. This was... A very difficult loss for the fan base for several reasons. Emotionally, it it definitely stings and it hurts. I think in part, I'm gonna I'm gonna repeat some things that if you've read my column, you'll have to forgive me for for talking about some of the things I've already said or that you've already you've already read me say. I think that's how you would pronounce how you would go about saying that. And that is that I think this game is so difficult because it number one is a game that gave you fuel or ammunition whatever concerns whatever doubts whatever worries or complaints you had about the 2019 buffalo bills if it's mcdermott's too conservative if it's dable's a bad oc if it's allen's not the guy if it's the defense is a pretender if it's that levi wallace isn't a real cb2 if it's stephen hauschka needs to go whatever concerns or worries you had this game fed quite literally almost every complaint that people have put out there on bills mafia on twitter or the buffalo rumblings comments or whatever all the boxes were checked, but not in a good way. No, no. And so what that did is I think as you're watching the game, you almost start to like, if you have a log of what all these complaints are, which I think both of us do, in the back of our minds, we know that there are people who are unhappy about this and unhappy about that. Now, we might not feel that way, but we know that that sentiment exists. 
And as you're watching the game, you can almost feel your peers, your fellow Bills Mafia fans being charged up. You know, like one of the Batman villains. Is there a Batman villain who like takes a takes a some kind of like serum or charge? Yeah, the, um, Bane. Bane. Bane takes the has the uh, the venom is the name of the liquid that Bane uses to pump himself up. Yeah. Not 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 the Bane that you know from the Dark Knight Rises. It doesn't matter who we are. What matters is our plan. The Bane that we all know from the comics. Sure. And from Batman the animated series. Yeah. Yeah. Well, the the one greatest. Cartoon of all time, by the oh, way. Without a doubt. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean that that I mean Bane from The Dark Knight has better sound bites. So Do you feel in charge? Oh, hold on, hold hold please. Perhaps he's wondering why you'd shoot a man before throwing him from a plane. Oh you think darkness is your ally? You merely adopted the dark. I was born in it, molded by it. Yeah, that's that's uh, something like that. That was not a soundbite. <laughs> yeah, not a soundbite. My wife thinks my Bane impression is hot. Well, we, you know what? I remember when that movie came out. My wife worked at Starbucks at the time with a bunch of other women who were other baristas. There were men too, too. But like, small. I remember at the time, multiple women were talking about how hot they thought the character Bane, not Tom Hardy, not in real life, like without if he's just his normal, you know, gigantically jacked up self. The character supervillain of Bane was hot. Yeah, so I've never really understood that, the whole I think the supervillain is hot thing. It, it comes really this, you know, women like bad boys thing. It comes, it, it's so much deeper than that. Because, you know, when you think bad boy, you think, you know, eyes with a leather, leather jacket, he drives a motorcycle. You know, you don't go as far as like wants to destroy the world or thinks maybe we should nuke the city or, you know, fills boats full of plague rats and sends them to Europe. You know, that, I think we crossed past bad boy at that point and we've gone into full-fledged full-fledged supervillain yeah I, I think that's where I, maybe i get off the boat also because of the plague rats on the boat but yeah all right one of the other things i think is so troubling about this loss is that fans find themselves in a very vulnerable position because we truly do not know how close or far we are from the team that we want to be. We think that there's a lot of good things and there's a lot to be excited about and a lot to desire, but there's also an awful lot of things that just don't seem quite right. They're not good enough. And so every game, we're trying to hopefully oscillate, you know, one way or another, hopefully in the good direction. Like we're almost the Houston Texans or we're almost the Kansas City Chiefs or we're almost the New Orleans Saints or whatever. Like we're moving in that direction. And I don't really think that that is something you can definitively say confidently. I had a follower on Twitter, one of my favorite followers on Twitter, who told me one time something that sort of stuck with me. And he said, you know, purgatory doesn't have comfortable chairs. And that's where we're at right now. The chairs that we're sitting in with Dable, Josh Allen, maybe you're sitting in there with Sean McDermott right now. Maybe you're not as comfortable with him as the long-term head coach of this team as you used to be. But regardless of 
what rooms you're sitting in, in those purgatory, the chair isn't comfortable. It wants, it, you want to get out of it. You want to get to something definitive. You want to get to something stable. You want to get to something rock solid. And we don't have it. Now, some people would say we have it for Dable. You know, let's fire Brian Dable right now. Okay, great. Okay, so we fire Brian Dable, and, um, and, and, then, and then what? We put Ken Dorsey in charge, and Ken Dorsey's never called plays in his life. Well, it can't be worse than Dable. No, no, he can. Do you remember Rick Dennison? He, he can. He can be worse than Dable. And we're in the middle of a playoff run. So, and, and we're in the middle of the progress that Josh Allen has made, which is which is quite significant, which I think we're going to talk about more in a couple minutes. Yeah. But it's it's just it's a bad loss. It's a bad loss for all kinds of reasons and it's it's taken the simmer of frustration to a boil, which we uh I think can relate to right now. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yes. Right. Yes, Considering neither our, Nick and I are in particularly good moods. Cons- I, I'm really concerned about the tone of this pod for the next few minutes. Yeah, uh, it's all right. We'll get there. Well, so now we sit at six and three. And we're still sort of on pace for the things that you and I forecasted, right? Which was you said they would be eight and eight. I said they would be nine and seven. That was weeks and weeks ago, two months ago. And I don't feel differently. I guess about the team now than I did then, I feel as though opportunities lost because the team is maybe a little bit ahead of schedule. Josh Allen's probably a little bit better than I thought he was going to be as far as his productiveness in the mid-page passing game and stuff like that. He's reined in the hero ball more than maybe I thought. He's also lost the long ball more than I thought. So give and take. But despite the fact that we're sort of on pace... It doesn't feel as good as you might expect something to feel like when you're on pace. It's because we, we let it get ahead of us when we were five and one. And you know, Bill Parcells had this this statement he made, you are what your record says you are. And I think that that's true, but I just I think the tenses may have been a little off with Bill Parcells' statement. And that is really you were what your record says you were, not you are what your record says you are, because during the season, I don't think that's true. I don't think that all five and one teams are the same. I don't think all three and O teams are the same. I don't think all three and six teams are the same. Didn't somebody say something in the Buffalo Rumblings comment section with you on your article, maybe? Yeah. About how different the AFC looked At this time, this last, time year. last year? Yeah. Yeah. So last year the Kansas City Chiefs were eight and one. The New England Patriots were seven and two. The Steelers were five, two, and one. They held the third spot in the AFC because they only had two losses instead of three. Now they wound up going nine, six, and one. Yeah, they got and, jumped, didn't and, they? And not making the playoffs at all. So they fell four spots essentially. The Houston Texans were six and three. The Chargers were six and two, and the Cincinnati Bengals were five and three, only to wind up going six and ten. So they went one and seven down the stretch. So that's it right there. This whole this is where it goes to the whole when when we were five and one, and there were people yelling us down who had reasonable concerns about this team. Five and one, five and one, five and one. Just enjoy it. Just enjoy it. It, it, ugly wins. Don't you know? Don't apologize for it. how you win matters, and how you win matters because it helps you predict whether or not you're going to win more games. Now at the end of the year, you are whatever your record says you were because 
quite frankly, there is no future at that point for the losses or the wins to predict because it's not going to carry over. This whole idea of momentum carrying over from year to year is garbage. That's just not the way it works. It's a whole new team. It's a whole new energy. It's a whole new personnel. Everything's different. So maybe we feel bad because we felt maybe a little too good there when we were 5-1 and one and we started thinking maybe, you know, maybe we should be getting a little bit more credit and maybe the national media should be, you know, not making us look bad. Maybe those DVOA people and the FPI people and the EPA people, maybe they should have loved us more. Maybe there was a reason that they didn't love us more. Maybe there was a reason. Maybe there were some flaws in this team. And there are flaws in this team. But there's another side to this. And that is when you have a young quarterback like Josh Allen, who's developing, that gives you hope. And every single week could be the week he puts it together. Because we've seen Josh Allen be everything we need him to be. Did you think when we drafted Josh Allen that you'd ever see this version of him that we're seeing right now? No, no, no. Because the 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 concern, the consistent concern and worry about Josh Allen is that he's going to throw a ball in the flat six yards over Devin Singletary's head. And Sean Murphy, spelled C-I-A-N, C-I-A-N is going to chop it up into a gif. And it's going to hit the internet, and it's going to be like, ha, 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 look how terrible Josh Allen is. How can anybody be so dumb to draft him? Ha, ha, ha. That's so funny. Last time I heard that, I laughed so hard I fell off my dinosaur. What about the last half of 2018? YOLO Josh. You know, everyone loves their YOLO Josh, where he's running for 100 yards a game and throwing the ball deep to Robert Foster. How about that, Josh? Did you think you were going to get that, Josh? I thought at his best, we would see some of that. Okay, so here's what I'm saying. So YOLO Josh, which is back half of 2018 Josh, and this half of 2019 Josh, which I will affectionately call Dr. Josh, right? Carving up that intermediate area, right? Mm. Dr. Josh. We'll call him Dr. Josh. We've seen both versions of Josh Allen that we need to see. So this gives you hope because here's what, here's what should give you hope right now. We've literally seen almost everything from Josh Allen that we need to see in order for him to be the guy. We just haven't seen it together. If I can take YOLO Josh and I can blend that with Dr. Josh, I have franchise quarterback Josh. By your powers combined. By your powers combined, I am Captain Planet. You are franchise quarterback Josh. What was the, the um, earth, fire, wind, water, heart? First, okay, side note, how'd it like to be heart in that scenario? Like, everyone else gets to, like, summon tidal waves, and you're like, look, I can make this guy like me more. <laughs> like, remember, that's my superpower. I don't even remember if that's what heart's superpower was. Wasn't it kind of like uh, you you have determination, or is it actual? No, I thought it was like, uh, wasn't it like low-level mind control? Was it, oh, really, was it? I thought, it, I don't know. <laughs> low, I, I think low, I, it's been a long... Low-level... <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, we're going to critique the level of mind control because it's we just have so many options. Low-level mind control. I, I, it's been a long time since I've seen it, okay? Everyone knows that Batman and the Animated Series was clearly the greatest cartoon of all time. Captain Planet was just the, what you were watching until Captain, just Captain, until the Batman Animated Series came back on. Again. Captain Planet was 
government propaganda. <laughs> it was right there with the Dare program and the recycled, like the 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 the, the triangle that was the recycling. Yeah. And yeah, it's just government propaganda. That's all Captain Planet was. But the fact of the matter is that if we can get YOLO Josh to somehow merge, if you want another metaphor, we'll go Power Rangers. You know, come together in Megazord. Mega Josh. That's what I want. I want Mega Josh. I want YOLO Josh and Dr. Josh to combine into Mega Josh. And then there will be, you know, some really bad Japanese dubbing, and he will slash up Tom Brady with his mega sword, and we'll have, you know, go, go, Joshua Allen, and it'll be great. I'm into that. So that's what I need. And that gives you hope. And no matter how frustrated you might be, as long as that is still an option, and I would contend that's still an option, then that gives you hope. And the rest of this year, regardless of whether we make the playoffs or not, will be determined for the long-term success of this franchise based on whether or not we get Mega Josh. If we get Mega Josh and we go 9-7 and seven and miss the playoffs, this is still a successful year. The, so there's two things to unpack in that. One is... Only two? Well... I mean, there's only two. I'm Mega going to go Megazord <laughs> comments and yeah, the Captain sound, Planet. The sound bites speak for themselves. Okay. So, the first is, I think that we we really are not talking enough about how crazy it is that the version of Josh Allen we have right now is the version of Josh Allen we have right now. Absolutely. Because if you think about what everybody's critiques and the la- you know the laughing stock that Josh Allen was going to be, he threw overthrew the one the wide receiver in the flat I think on a wide receiver screen and it was everywhere and it was the microcosm of exactly who Josh Allen is and why he can't be successful in this league. He is one of the best intermediate mid range passers in the game right now, for weeks on end. He has eliminated the boneheaded try-to-make-something-out-of-nothing plays, which I'm a little sad about because there's something, sometimes whenever you try to make something out of nothing, you actually make something. Like it, 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 yeah, occasionally it, it works. Occasionally it happens. <laughs> uh, but it is really like mind-boggling, I think, if you, if you try to appreciate it, who Josh Allen is compared to who he was supposed to be right now by the critics' perspectives. The fact that his completion percentage is... Persuinage. The fact that his completion percentage is nine points higher this year is staggering in and of itself. Most people said if we can just get him up in the high 50s this year, that would be great. Well, he's in the low 60s now. And it's still not great, Bob, but it's clearly better. And as his depth of target gets shorter, his completion percentage gets higher, which is exactly what I said last year. When we talked about Allen, I said, you know, yeah, we can do that. His completion percentage is garbage, but his average depth of target is ridiculous. Let's get that down to league average, and then let's see what his completion percentage is. And it, it's still on the lower side, but it's not catastrophic. And we've seen Allen in versions of Allen that are there. If we can get the deep ball back, if we can get a little bit of the playmaking back without having to go full throwing into double coverage. What were you doing there, Josh? And if we can cut out some of these fumbles that seem to have popped up all of a sudden, because historically he's not a fumbler, but he is this year. 
if we can cut some of this stuff out, we got something special here. And as long as there is a possibility of Allen combining this stuff and it clicking for him in a big way, any game, any game could be the game. And that's what's so exciting. What's so exciting about that and the reason why I'm not you know, losing my marbles, number one, I picked us to go eight and eight. So I'm not, if we're on track for eight and eight, I'm not going to like freak out about it. This is expectations minus reality equals disappointment. My expectations were eight and eight. So if the reality is seven and nine or eight and eight, I'm going to go, okay, that's, that's about right. But also because any game could be the game next week against the dolphins could be the game where we look back and say, Josh Allen, it clicked for him that game. And that's what's so great about this. Yeah, you kind of you kind of felt like it was starting to happen at the end of last season whenever he came back from the injury that it was starting to click. Well, we took a step forward there. And I think we took a step sideways this year. Well, we didn't go forward. We just went different. Well, what's next? Is it a step forward or, or is it the click? I think it's the click. I don't think there is a step forward at this point. I think it's, I, I mean, obviously there is. It, it's not that binary, right? But overall, it's the melding of what we've seen this year with what we saw at the end of last year. Now, obviously, that comes at incremental growth, but I think the way it will show itself is we will start to see the positives of both go up as the negatives of both go down. And I think that as long as there's a chance for that, Bills fans can be optimistic. And so I know that you're listening to this pod and you're probably getting your head right after what happened on Sunday. But I'm here to tell you that we got a young quarterback. And one of the joys of having a young quarterback is the optimism and the hope. Right now, Bears fans are experiencing what I called at the beginning of last year when I said Trubisky's not the guy. They're going through the worst part of this, which is, oh no. Oh no. We built this team. We traded these assets. We signed these free agents. If Trubisky's not it, and they're looking to the future not with optimism, they're looking at it like, oh, no, we got to do it all over again, don't we? We're not there yet. If you're there on Josh Allen, I, I think you're too early. I think you're jumping the gun. But as long as there's hope there, that's a reason for positivity, man. And I'm, I'm okay. You know me. I'm not known as an overly effervescent guy. I'm not known as being sunshine butterflies and freaking rainbows. That's not who I am. But I don't think there's statistically significant data to indicate that Josh Allen's a bust. And as long as there's optimism there, as long as there's hope there, there's a reason to get excited about every single game, regardless of what the record looks like. The issue that I think people are still... If you hear all of that and you still have concerns, one of your concerns, I think, is the deep ball. Can, yeah. can that come back? Because he is missing those by such a margin that it doesn't it doesn't strike me as a tiny tweak is going to fix this. It looks like I, I don't know. I mean it, it doesn't really compute with what we saw last season and what we saw in college. He you know, he said himself in the press conference, right, that it, he he couldn't even really say what he thought was going on. He said, I might be overthrowing it because I'm so afraid of getting picked. Which is a concern. That's that's a concern. Him saying that is a concern because that feeds into what 
you and I talked about a couple weeks ago that we don't want to neuter him. Yeah, make him. You know, I've not said. You know, I've been in the camp that is his comp for his ceiling is not Cam Newton. His comp for his ceiling is Brett Favre ish. Right. You don't want to know what my comp was for him. Yeah. And I don't. I don't even I don't even I don't think I know what it is. And I literally you know don't what? No. Know. See, I said it now. I have to say it. OK. My comp for him coming out was John Skelton. I don't even remember John Skelton. There you go. So Arizona Cardinal backup at one time. Yeah. At one point. Yeah. He was I, from Fordham. Yeah. So I uh, I mean, he's already probably done more than John Skelton ever did. He is already markedly better. There is no question that. There is no question at this point that my my scouting report on Allen was too low. It was it was it was too pessimistic. There's no question. He's already better. He already proved me wrong. Even if he's not the franchise guy, he still proved me wrong incrementally. Now he didn't necessarily prove me wrong binarily, which is like, is he the guy or is he not the guy? Because coming out, I said he's not gonna be a franchise quarterback. So we don't know for sure that he proved me wrong there. But we he definitely proved me wrong as far as the quality of quarterback play I thought you were going to see from him. Yeah. The, you know, if you're going to neuter him and make him whatever he is now, turn him into some version of a game manager, I don't know. It's just, it's really concerning. That's my number one concern at this point. I mean, he has, he has quelled my concern that he's going to skip balls off the turf and overthrow guys all over the place as far as, you know, in the middle of the field. And it's going to be embarrassing that, that, Fear is gone. But in its place is this concern that we are never going to take advantage of the deep stuff. And as a result, defenses are going to play us in a certain way. And it's going to it's going to eventually cause bigger problems for the offense than we already experience. So this is where the combination of YOLO Josh and Dr. Josh has to come into play. Because one of the things I noted last year, specifically, let's talk about a throw that I want to I want to talk about. It's the Detroit Lions game last year, the game winning touchdown pass to Robert Foster. If you're listening to this, go back and watch it and watch Josh Allen's body language on that throw. And Josh Allen looks as relaxed throwing that deep ball as I have ever seen a quarterback throw. He throws it and his hands just kind of drop down to his sides. He just kind of flops there for a second. He's just kind of like looking it in like, yeah, I did the thing. I showed up I threw a game-winning touchdown pass. I'm going to go home, hang out with my girlfriend. We're going to, you know, eat wings and blue cheese. It's going to be great. Like, that was, he, he looks so relaxed. Well, the problem is when you get relaxed with your mechanics on short throws, you sail things over people's heads. But there's a chance that he's a little too rigid with his mechanics on deeper throws. He might need to go, okay, this is a deep throw. I'm turning to YOLO, Josh. And then when it's a shorter throw, okay, now this is my precise, rigid, mechanical Josh. Yeah, I mean, I understand that, and I agree with it. I think that in in life in general, whether you're playing a sport or not, it is difficult to switch gears sometimes if it is if it is such a different level yeah. of focus and attention and you know trying to control your body or not control your body in a certain sense. That is. You know, it's not an easy task, and he's building the muscle memory, hopefully, to um, be able to think less about the stuff that we're calling Dr. Josh or is when he's being precise and surgical and stuff like that in the mid-range stuff. Uh, my hope is that it comes back, but I, I would be curious to ask 
so his his support system, his primary support system around him to make him into this combination of what we had last year and what we see so far this year. I would say his primary support system is Brian Dable, Ken Torsey, Matt Barkley, and Sean McDermott. Correct. What is your confidence level that those guys are going to be able to get him to that combination? 30%. What is your what is your confidence level that he can get to that at all? 35%. Why the difference? Because I think that if Sean McDermott decided to fire Brian Dable in this offseason and bring in a new offensive coordinator, I wouldn't immediately throw in the towel on Josh Allen. I would say, no, I've seen enough to know that I think he could improve under another offensive coordinator. Depending on how the rest of the season goes, I might be more optimistic with him under a different offensive coordinator. I don't know. But I think that his chance of getting there is higher and will always be higher than their chances of getting him there. I think that their chances of getting him here is a subset of his chance of getting there, which is why it'll always be higher. All right. Let's go ahead and take a quick break, and then we will come back and continue working through the narratives that have come out of this game and then eventually wind up previewing the Dolphins game. Welcome back, everybody. Thank you so much for joining us for this edition of the Nick and Nolan Show, a Buffalo Rumblings podcast. I'm one of your two co-hosts, Nick Bat. You can find me on Twitter at N-I-C-K-B-A-T. And along with me, as always, Bane Nolan. You can find me on Twitter <laughs> at Bruce Exclusive. Yeah. Well, so here's here's the other, here's maybe even the predominant complaint or concern or whipping boy that Bills fans are going after right now. And it's Brian Dable. And it's Brian Dable precisely, I think, well, it's Brian Dable largely because of the Devin Singletary proportion of offense that went through him or the proportion of offense that didn't go through him. Eight carries, seven targets. And in addition to that, I think that the end of game sequence, which is tangentially connected to him, specifically the last offensive play before the field goal, and then Sean McDermott choosing to kick the field goal versus go for it on fourth and four, these are all sort of interconnected, but they're they're probably two, at least two primary ones, maybe three, if you want to talk about that end of game situation. The final play probably warrants its own conversation. So how do you want to start? Let's start with McDermott. That's a very good place to start. Okay. When you read, you begin with ABC, and when you sing, you begin with Do Re Mi. So let's start with McDermott. That's <laughs> it. Doesn't. Yeah. Okay. I'm fine. That's. I don't have the energy. Go. What, sound of music. <laughs> nothing really. Oh, is, is that a reference? Yeah. Sound of music. So well, I, I know let's that. Start at the very beginning. A very good place to start. Sure. When you read, you begin with ABC. When you sing, you begin with Do Re Mi. So when I said a very good place to start, that's what started the whole thing. Oh, in my okay, head. okay, okay. Oh, I thought that there was like a there was a McDermott or a word that rhymed with McDermott that you were referencing in this other. Oh thing no, as no, well. the rapping comes later. Oh, okay, okay. <laughs> this okay. is not an MC Blowhard moment. Okay, okay. So let's start with McDermott. A very good place to start. And let's start with McDermott's aggressiveness specifically. I want to talk about this because I don't think that this is a storyline that really gets the publicity that it probably should, especially when McDermott does something like that, 
when he does something like that, we go, oh, you know, he's a conservative coach. He's playing for the field goal. And Sean McDermott in 2019 goes for it on fourth down more than almost any coach in the league. It's right up there at the top with like the Ravens. He's right at the top of the list. And we're not talking about it at all. And I'm really hoping that you listen to this pod, Mr. and Mrs. Lister, and go, oh my gosh, Bruce is right. Holy crap, why are we not talking about that? Because it kind of blows my mind as to why we're not talking about that. Especially because we came off of a coach, Doug Marone, who was notorious for 40 yards and punt. Well, we got to the 40. Well, it's time for us to run a couple plays and then punt. And Sean McDermott, you and I talked about this offseason, this past offseason, whether or not Sean McDermott would evolve in specific game day ways because of his growth mindset. We talked a lot about that, and I said, you know, he needs to evolve as a game day coach. Clearly still needs to evolve as a game day coach. Still makes mistakes there. But one area that he has changed drastically and should be given credit for, mountains of credit, is his ability to be aggressive on fourth down in the right circumstances. Not just line up and try and get you to go to false start. He does still do that, and it drives me nuts. He tries to you know draw you off sides. But also... It only drives you nuts because it doesn't work because we don't have EJ Manuel. We don't have EJ Manuel, the hard count specialist. But... <laughs> I still remember when he came in and did that. He like he was so jet- you remember. I don't remember who it was. He against. was so jacked up. Like there was some he came sit- on and did the hard count, and then ran off. Like he yes, just won the Super Bowl. Yeah, like pumping his fist. Like, it's like a slow motion. It was great. Yeah, I. I don't remember who that was against or what the situation was, but I just remember being so, like, EJ, I'm embarrassed for you that you are so abnormally excited at this. You know what? I, I think it was one of the greatest Bills moments of the last decade. Ugh, move on. It's right up there at the top with me. Move on. The point is that McDermott needs to get credit for that. He should. So be careful when you lump in the entire term aggressiveness in with this whole thing. Just be careful how you classify that. Now, was he playing for the field goal there? Okay, he clearly stated that huddling up while the clock was running with 30 seconds left to go and losing a bunch of time, that was a mistake. And we can agree with that. I'm glad he said, yeah, that was not part of the plan. That was a mistake. That's good. But then that transitions into play call, which now we get into Dable. And we get into the play call. Okay, so let's talk about that last play. And then we'll get to Singletary afterwards. Third down. Josh Allen sees cover zero. And taps John Brown to a vertical route. I don't know what the route was before, but he made a sight adjustment. A sight adjustment is an alteration that is less than an audible. So an audible is a change of the entire play then you could flip the protection, which is a minute change, or you could flip the play, minute change, or you could do a side adjustment, which is just a specific route, okay? So he changed a specific route. And we know that because Josh Brown, John Brown said so. John Brown said flat out, he tapped me to a vertical route, right? He changed my route to that route. 
And we saw Josh Allen do it. We saw him motion to John Brown as to what he was doing. And he did that because of cover zero. He which did it because of the cover zero. And the cover zero is there's no safety playing deep, right? That's zero man deep. Correct. When you're talking about cover one, cover two, cover zero, the 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 number there is referring to how many safeties are in charge of deep responsibility on that particular play. Cover two, there are two safeties responsible for deep. It's split essentially the field in half. Cover one, one safety responsible for, for deep. Cover zero, no safety responsible for deep. So cover zero is we're daring you to beat us deep. Every defense, we've talked about this before, every defense gives you something. There is no possible way for a defense to defend every single blade of grass. That's not a thing. Every defense is a value proposition. I'm going to give you this, but I'm going to take away this. And so the problem with Josh Allen's deep ball and the problem with this particular scenario is that defenses are going to start leaning toward cover zero and Josh is going to be forced to beat it because they're going to say, listen, it doesn't matter if you beat us deep with a route. Josh can't hit it. So there's no risk there because even if something happens, I'm not worried. So that particular route that he he checked to is a vertical route that is a leveraged throw. We know this because they talked about it. So if John Brown gets off the line and stacks the receiver, then Josh Allen's going to throw it out in front, and it's going to become basically a fly or a go or a nine or whatever it is you want to call it in your particular offensive system. If John Brown is equal to or behind the receiver when the time comes to throw the ball, then it becomes a back shoulder throw. Aaron Rodgers is famous for it. He throws the back shoulder better than anybody in maybe history. So Josh Allen correctly read the coverage, cover zero, then correctly changed the route, and then correctly made the correct type of throw. The problem was the throw wasn't good enough, and John Brown openly said, hey, I probably should have run that route a little bit better to give Josh more of a target. So the execution was a problem. So we know that. And we also have to be real careful with this route because this is very similar to what happened in the Jets game. The difference is John Brown caught it and ran in for a touchdown. And we were all praising how aggressive we went for the win there and didn't play for the field goal. So you can't say, hey, he played for the field goal, and then also go, hey, that was too aggressive of a route. You can't have it both ways. You can't say he played for the field goal. And then he didn't. Now, we did screw it up because we wasted all that time. And we had more time and could have taken perhaps a more intermediate route which is where the Cole Beasley thing comes in because Cole Beasley was open on that play. But here's the thing about that play. Cole Beasley was not the first read on that play. I know this because I watched Josh Allen's eyes go immediately to John Brown. Josh Allen was going to throw that ball to John Brown regardless. The second he saw that it was cover zero, he was going to throw that ball to John Brown. Now, the question was, what type of throw was he going to make to John Brown? Was it going to be a vertical over-the-shoulder throw, or was it going to be a back-shoulder throw? But there was no chance of him going to Beasley on that play. Now, here's the question. Should there have been a chance? Should there have been a chance? And here's where, here's where we get really uncomfortable, because I don't know. I don't know if the response to pressure on that play built in is to check to that particular route that he did and throw that ball. Or if it's hot read to Cole Beasley, who is running to the place that was abandoned by the blitzer. I don't know. I don't know what the answer is. Every play, typically, if you have a coordinator who knows what they're doing, right, has an answer built into it. Here's the answer for this. 
I don't know if Cole Beasley earlier in the earlier in the game there was a, there was a play uh, in the first half where Josh Allen caught the ball and then immediately like ran to his right, like so much so that it looked like it was supposed to be a sprint out almost. It wasn't. It was really, really, really bad response to a blitzer. Josh Allen saw a blitzer coming, and before the blitzer even got close to him, he ran away. But Devin Singletary, you can see him kind of chip at the blitzer and then immediately pivot and turn around and look at Josh Allen, going, hey, I'm your answer. I'm your answer. Throw it to me. I'm the answer to this problem. That wasn't what happened. That route that Beasley ran was a designed six-yard stop route. But I don't know if Josh Allen was ever going to get to him in the normal progression of the play. I have no clue. Well, even if even if it was built into the play that he could have, because of the blitzer and Deion Dawkins making the wrong read, or someone on the line making the wrong read, a guy essentially came free and was at Josh Allen basically as he let go of the ball or very, very shortly thereafter for the pass to John Brown. So if his obligation is to look at Brown first... And it is not to look at Beasley. We don't know. Then he never would have gotten to Cole Beasley. But if he, even if he had, the obliga- his obligation was to, to, he could have looked at John Brown and said, you know what, regardless of which throw I pick here, the coverage is, is perfect. I need to look another, I need to, this is important. I need to go another direction. There was no time. Yeah, he would have gotten sacked. So, yeah. And then it would have been a longer field goal. So, this is one of those things where, just be real careful to not take a screenshot of Cole Beasley being wide open, circle it, and then go, oh no. Because we some of this stuff we know, and it is awesome that we have access to the All-22. I watch it every week. It's awesome that we have this. But there's still a lot of stuff we don't really know about the play. Now, I, so I'm going to be really hard-pressed to criticize it too much because there's too much I don't know about that. Now, here's what I can criticize Dable for. You ran the ball eight times with Devin Singletary against the 30th-ranked run defense. Circling the Wagons, podcast on the Buffalo Rumblings Podcast Network with my my ever-good friend Nate, specifically said, we overthought it to the upteenth degree. He said, he said well, we're, we're coming in with a running back we really like against the 30th-ranked run defense. We should run it. We should run it a lot. We, you know, we should run it maybe 15 or 20 times with Devin Singletary. No. 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 That's just what they'll be expecting us to do. Maybe we ought to turn on the searchlights now. Oh. That's just what they'll be expecting us to do. <laughs> we should try something different. And that is exactly what I was thinking. I used the gif from Airplane, which, just so you know, a little, little about Bruce, Airplane is my favorite movie of all time. I love airplanes so much. That genre, the completely ridiculous airplane police squad humor, that scratches uh, the TBS show Angie Tribeca, scratches that itch for me in a very unique way. These are my favorite TV shows and movies of all time. Monty Python? Monty Python is 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 in that similar vein. Not quite the same, oh. but that 1970s-ish um, ridiculousness humor, Leslie Nielsen, that is, hits me in a very unique spot that I just, I laugh until I cry. Because you can watch the movies over and over and over and over and over again, but because the jokes are not set up, there's not a, a rhythm to the jokes. It's not a, ba-bop, ba-bop, 
and payoff. It's not sitcom humor, right? It's rapid fire. The jokes don't even have to be related to each other. They're coming at you fast and furious. You can watch it 4,000 times, and every single time you watch it, something else makes you laugh. Mel Brooks? I like Mel Brooks. History of the World Part 1 is, is, is high on my list. Spaceballs is good, but it's not quite the same genre, in my opinion. Gotcha. All the right. point being, I don't even know what the point was. Where was I going with that? Where, where, how did I get on that? Uh, you, you, we overthought it. Oh, we overthought it. Okay. So, we overthought it. And it's a little bit like pass rushing. We talk about pass rushing with a plan for defensive linemen, pass rushers. We talk about coming in with a move that you want and then knowing if that move gets countered, you have a counter move. But you don't start with the counter move. You don't start with the the secondary move. You start with the primary move. So, yes, Brian Dave will come in with a backup plan in case they stop up the run. But... He said in his press conference, well, you know, they were really plugging it up in there. Devin Singletary was averaging five and a half yards of carry. They didn't stop our run offense. We stopped our run offense. So come in there with the idea that you're going to give Singletary 15 carries and seven targets. And then if, you know, we're a quarter and a half in and it's not working, sure, let's have a counter move. But we abandoned the initial move before they even stopped us. It's like... It's like a pass rusher coming in with this idea that I'm going to, you know, what I'm going to do, I'm going to start with a speed rush and I'm going to try and see if he oversets. And if he oversets, I'm going to come back with a, with a, with a spin. Okay, great. That's You come and you just take two steps off the line and you just spin right into him. And the offensive line looking at you going, what was that? <laughs> like, what would you say the plan was there? That's what we just did. And that, I think, can absolutely deserve criticism because there is no... I, you know, I don't really know what the play call there. We, we know what he called. He didn't call enough runs. And Devin Singletary getting seven targets is good. If they're in addition to 15 carries. But if Devin Singletary is only going to get eight carries, then you better give him 12 targets at that point. Because in an offense that is specifically lacking of big plays, you've got someone who can make big plays. And eight carries and seven targets is not going to do me. The only other two things I think that have come out of this game that are uh, of significant, you know, story to maybe be unpacked a little bit more would be Trey White and Stephen Hauschka. So bad. (laughs) That's good. That's good. Well done. So Hauschka, I don't know. I mean, I feel guilty because, you know... uh, you, we we gave him the unsung hero award. You I gave him the I gave him the unsung hero award. And I hold, no, this has nothing to do with me. I hold you personally responsible for this loss, Nick. And I, we're in Cleveland. We're in Cleveland. Yeah, it's his Beetlejuice thing. I say his name three times, and then he misses two kicks. I I I don't know. I mean, some people have been saying that he was bad before. I don't. I didn't really feel that way. I, I, I don't know what to say about that. I thought that we were playing teams and we were seeing what bad kicking really looks like. Yeah, because, bad kicking looks like you get fired the next week. Yeah, bad kicking looks like you lose the game for your team. And in some ways, you know, Hauschka was in that in that ballpark because we left six points on the board. You said famously, one of the, one of the most important Nickisms ever was kickers. You know, they're good until they're not. And that stuck with me. Because we saw it with Carpenter. He was good and until he wasn't. Every time he would make a kick, I would turn to my wife and go, you know, Jesus, Jesus was a Carpenter. And 
she would roll her eyes and be like, yeah, yeah, the pun is, the pun is there. Because, you know, he had long hair and he had a beard. Oh, I, we know. get it. We know. So, you know, there was a, <laughs> I don't know, just in case there's any new Bills fans. The mustache you know, didn't help him, but everything else was there. Right. He was performing miracles from 50 yards. Uh-huh. But then all of a sudden, he wasn't good anymore. Are we seeing that from Hauschka? I don't know. The fact of the matter is, it could have just been a bad game. It also kind of doesn't matter because there's no alternative. Yeah, it's not like the kickers are, you know, growing on trees right now. We have Chase McLaughlin, who was everybody's favorite kicker last night on Twitter until he shanked really badly. At the end, they're like, oh, okay. Because they, 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 they were ready, man. Everybody in Twitter had their Chase McLaughlin takes yep. ready to go. They were like, all right, here we go. The second he makes this game-winning field goal, I'm going to press this button, and it's going to say, should have kept Chase. As if somehow anyone was talking about that in the preseason. To be fair, I think Kevin Massari was talking about that in the preseason. So I think I remember him tweeting that from cover one. So we'll give we'll give Kevin some some props here. But there wasn't a significant plurality out, you know, outcry to replace Hauschka this offseason. But then the second Chase McLaughlin was ready, like, I'm going to press this button and I'm going to show everyone how brilliant <laughs> I am. And I'm going to tweet this. It's going to be the greatest tweet. It's going to get five likes and two retweets and my mom's going to like it. It's going to be great. No one's going to notice me. And then it didn't quite happen the way we wanted it to happen because he, he shanked it. Listen, Steve Christie is not walking through that door right now. So we just have to find out if this is Hauschka falling off the cliff. And we're not going to know it until he goes full Vinatieri. Right now, Vinatieri, full Vinatieri. <laughs> you know, Vinatieri has been a venerable kicker. Vinatieri has gone full Carpenter. He went full Carpenter. You never go full car- Carpenter. <laughs> and you did. But that's just the way it is. So I don't know if we're going to know anything of Stephen Hauschka until he continues to bomb. Well, here's what we do know, though. Tredavious White's really good at football. And Tredavious White, we need to we need to wrap our head around this. If you're top eight at your position, you're going to reset the market when you resign. And we need to be okay with making Tredavious White the highest paid corner in the NFL. I, I posted on Twitter, are you okay with that Bills Mafia? The vast majority of every single response I got said, absolutely, make him the highest paid corner in the league. Okay. I think that's a smart take. So this offseason, that's what I want to see. Tredavious White, highest paid corner in the league. One person said he's not even top eight in the league. And I was like, eh, okay, wrong. And then we're just going to move on. <laughs> so aside from that one guy who was wrong, Tredavious White deserves it. There are literally no flags with Tredavious White. Give me a flag with him. Does he tackle? Yes. Is he good for the locker room? Yes. Really good. Has Is he a good influence on other players? Yes. Does he love Buffalo? Does he love Buffalo? Yes. Does he like this coaching staff? Yes. Does Levi Wallace talk about how he learned how to prepare better from talking to Tredavious? Yes. Tredavious White said, you know, he he goes home on his own time and watches film of the receivers to get to this. He does everything you want a franchise corner to do. Don't overthink this. Sign the man. I don't know. That might be exactly what they're expecting us to do. But that's what they're expecting us to do. Here's what they wouldn't be expecting us to do. Trade him for a fifth round pick. <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah. No, I think that I would love I want them to do it like the day the season ends because do it now. Do it do it as soon wait, as no, possible. Wait, no, they can't do it now. No. They're not allowed to do it now. Do right? it as soon as possible because when you wait a week, somebody else reset the market. Now you have to pay them more. Yeah, if Jalen Ramsey signs first, I'm going to be really upset. So, sign Tredavious 
as he's cleaning out his wa- locker, just walk up to him with the contract and go, hey, Tredavious, here's that thing you asked for. <laughs> and he signs it on his way like out of the like the locker room. And then he goes to the Tredavious White Goalie Academy there for the offseason. All right, we're going to take one last break, and we will be back with you, and we are going to preview the Dolphins game. Stick with us. Welcome back, everybody. Thank you so much for joining us for this edition of the Nick and Nolan Show, a Buffalo Rumblings podcast. I'm one of your two co-hosts, Nick Bat. You can find me on Twitter at N-I-C-K-B-A-T, and along with me, Bruce Nolan. You can find me on Twitter at Bruce Exclusive. And before we jump in and go to the Dolphins preview, we would like to give a couple people a shout out because we love you. And you love us back, you apparently. You love us back. And, you know, this is a tough week for us with the Browns game and everything. I Both of these reviews that I'm about to read to you actually made me smile. Like, really made me smile. They, they did Legit my, joy. They did my heart good. And I really appreciate this, guys. This is... This is a really significant thing that that Nick and I try and do every single week. Especially whenever you have to do it twice one time. Yeah, especially when you have to do it twice in in one night. And, you know, it's late on Tuesday, and Nick's going to be up late editing this. And You got a long drive home? I got a long... I'm an hour and five minutes from home right now, and you're going to be spending hours trying to edit this, and it probably won't be done before midnight, I wouldn't imagine. And we, we love doing this for you guys because you... You spend the time and you take time and you do this. So, Minarchy says, are you a Bills fan? Hit play. You'll never look. And then it kind of, A, dot, dot, dot. You'll never look away. You'll never look again for another Bills pod. I don't know. He just hasn't looked away from whatever. I know, but, 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 but he put it, hit play in all caps. So, he's really like, yeah, do this. He says, Nick and Nolan have a Bills pod that is a must listen Informative, in-depth, comprehensive, and funny. These two fuggin' guys, F-U-G-G-I-N-G-U-Y-S, from Cleveland, make analytics fun again. Oh my gosh, I need a hat. I need a hat that says make analytics fun again. That's funny. Yeah, that would that's, be good. That, that could be a Nick and Nolan, get the branding, get the the, the the logo on it. Oh my gosh, that's so amazing. Absolutely owe it to yourself to give it a listen. Thank you so much, man. I really appreciate that. The next one says NNN. It's from Jack56893578. It's, it's not a phone number. Hang on. Let me think here. Nope. It's nothing. It's Never nothing. Mind. Go on. He says NNN. I fell in love with the Bills backers pod. This guy is an OG Nick and Nolan fan OG, from when we were the Bills backers OG pod. OG NNNer. I myself am the founder of the Bills backers of Sioux City, Iowa. And the Nick and Nolan podcast is now my favorite Bills podcast. Every Wednesday, I get this wonderful gift of a podcast. Nick and Nolan are very interesting and intelligent, and most importantly, funny without overtly trying to be. Keep the drops coming, dude. Let's go, Buffalo. President of the Bills backers of Sioux City, Iowa, Josh Pennell. Or Pennell. Thank you, Josh. So here's the deal. Y'all have probably noticed. This, This pod, Bruce brought the energy whenever we redid this, and I did not. And I'll be completely candid with you. It's because I have to go home after this, and I've got an infant, and my wife and I, and you're, I'm welcome, I'm open to uh, suggestions on this too, if somebody wants to uh, reach out to us on Twitter or something and tell me if I should do it differently, but my wife and I are trying to figure out how we're going to handle the nights, the night shift stuff, like how are we going to handle when the kid wakes up in the middle of the night, because he's only, he's not even three weeks old, and so it's not, you know, sleeping on like a normal schedule is... Um, uh, it's not. It's not great. <laughs> it's not great. And so, we do a shift that we call the shit shift. Every night from 12 a.m. midnight until 6 a.m., one of us 
Only one of us is on duty. The other one gets to sleep for six hours, and we alternate that every other night. And so that is what's ahead of me a little bit (laughs) this evening. In addition to doing this pod, which I'm happy to do that, and then edit it, which I'm also happy to do that. What I didn't really want to do was record the fucking thing twice. (laughs) Yeah. That isn't great. And it's not great for you because, again, you have a long drive home and you haven't eaten dinner. I haven't eaten dinner and we're, you know, chugging away at this. I say all this to say it would have been a lot easier for me and for Bruce to probably say, you know what, let's just send a message to Anthony Marino, let him know that we had an issue and we're not going to put out an episode this week. That would be really easy to do if it wasn't for the reviews that we get and the yeah. people who reach out to us and tell us how much they enjoy what we do. I I mean, like, I, I would have, I didn't even float the idea. I sulked and I'm still sulking because I really liked what we had on tape. And this is, this is good. There are some, there's some, there's well, probably some guys. gems lost. I, it's not your fault. There are gems <laughs> lost on both of us. I don't know. It's a, the, if you like what we do, and you appreciate it, and, and and you just enjoy it. Whether you you know, I, I'm not telling you to you know tell us to keep doing what we're doing, or whatever. I, it makes a difference for Bruce and I to get these reviews, and it makes a difference for us to know that when we have to put up with some you know whatever you know difficulties come our way to make this happen, that it's not just going to you know nobody's ears. Nick and I have uh, some scheduling conflicts coming up in the coming weeks, and he and I were texting last night, and he said, why don't, you know, in a couple weeks we have a a fairly notable scheduling issue coming up, and Nick and I were like, well, you know, why don't we just take the week off? And I was like, no. I I sent Nick a message. I said, no, absolutely not. I'm still, yeah. I'm still in. It's okay to take a bye, but that's fine. I mean, we're gonna make it happen. You're the one who has to go through worse than I do, really. But uh, for in that yeah, I've got, I've got some road trips coming up. A uh, preview. Um, the plan at this time um, is to for me to record with Rockpile Report before the Broncos game. After this game. Right? After this. Yes, after this game. After this upcoming game on the 19th. Well, that's a Tuesday. And that's normally the day we record. So we would record on Monday that week. But that day, I have to go to Columbus that day. So I'm going to drive to Columbus, drive back, drive up here to Nick's area to record, drive home, then drive to Buffalo the next day, record with Rockpile, drive back again. So it's going to be a lot for me, especially for somebody who doesn't really... Doesn't even tell you all his real name. Yeah, I don't even tell you my real name. That's, so that that tells you how much of a people person I am typically. But um, we love you, and we this means a lot to us. So thank so, you yeah. so much to the two of you for doing that. And um, and anybody else who's willing to, to leave us a couple, even I don't care about the stars or whatever. Just you know, I think we feel a little. I I feel a little bad about this pod. You know, I I I think it's good. I think people are going to like it. I think it's good content. But it's you know. Uh, it's a bummer to lose your stuff. So, let us know. Uh, let us know what you think, and uh, we appreciate it. So, now, good news, everyone. Good news, everyone. <laughs> right. <laughs> well, I not, guess it not, was not as much. It, it was better news whenever they were they were winless. But we are going to Miami to play against the Dolphins this week. The suddenly two win streak Dolphins. Um, Brian Fitzpatrick and Brian Brian Flores, a match made in heaven. Who knew? Fitzpatrick doing Fitzpatrick stuff. Yeah, a five-game king. So playing the Dolphins this week, simultaneously, if we were to lose to the Dolphins this week, it would simultaneously 
feel awful and also feel less awful than it would have felt losing to them a couple weeks ago. Losing to a winless Dolphins team who has shown no life at all would feel worse, but actually have less of an impact than losing to the Dolphins this game. If we lose to the Dolphins this week, it really puts some serious questions as to whether or not this team is not going to collapse into a seven and nine sort of season, or and not and miss the playoffs and have a very two thousand eight ish season again. But the Dolphins are starting to hit their stride, and they're playing inspired football, especially on the defensive side of the ball. The defense that Brian Flores is running is really starting to to hit and gel, and unfortunately, it it, it they may start to see things from the Dolphins' defense that they've seen before. I think we're going to see a lot of cover zero against the Dolphins. I think they're going to challenge Josh Allen to manufacture ideas in his head of how to beat these men on the line of scrimmage. They're going to bring people up to the line of scrimmage, line them across, and go, okay, Josh, who's coming? Who's not coming? Who's spying? Who's dropping into coverage? Do you have the answers? And are you going to freak out and try and run it? Yeah. Are you just going to sprint to the right sideline? Are you going to sprint to the right sideline and then throw a ball that no one can catch? Here's some other things. The Dolphins are healthier than the last time we saw them. They are. Uh, Joe Marino, I think, was it with me or with you? Joe Marino was friend of the pod, locked on bills. He said that one time a scout told him, if you want to know about the progression of a quarterback. Look at the second time they play their division rival. That's really good. I forgot about that. You've seen each other, and now you're going to throw new wrinkles at it, and the defense is going to have an edge a little bit, and they're going to try to trick you, and you we're going to we're going to learn a lot about Josh Allen this week. And this is what I said. This could be the week where we go, oh my gosh, he's seen this before. He's starting to dissect answers here. He took a huge step forward this week. It could be the week. Or... Allen could look like hot garbage, and we come out and talk to you next week and go, guys, um, is Allen getting any better? That that could be a discussion that we have next week. Every game is big in the NFL, but like you said, for that very reason, having seen this defensive style before, and more importantly, has Brian Flores seen Josh Allen before? And now he has. And now he's seen how other people have attacked Josh Allen. So, it's more important for Josh Allen to go, okay, I recognize what I'm doing wrong. I recognize what other defenses are going to show me. They're going to show me cover zero. They're going to stack people at the line of scrimmage. They're going to make me decipher pressure. They're going to make me get out of trouble with my arm. They're going to make me get out of trouble with my arm and with my brain. I can't solve this puzzle by running through it or running away from it. Or doing something crazy athletic. And I can't solve it with the deep ball because none of my deep balls are landing. I have to solve this puzzle with my brain and my arm. I would love it. You know, it's, you know you're allowed to hit the deep balls. You know, just I so would you know. hate it. It's, it's okay. You're allowed. Now that we've given him permission, just so you know, he's going to hit three of them this game. It's going to be great. That would be so And we're going to take credit for it because we're going to be magical, just like we were hexing Stephen Hauschka. Yes. Josh Allen, Josh Allen, Josh Allen. Beetlejuice, Beetlejuice, Beetlejuice. We're going to see a lot of Kalen Blanche because he's going to run. I'm not scared of him. I was much more scared of Walton than I am. This is a game for the run defense to get right 
because Walton is in hot water with the team and they traded away Kenyon Drake. So I am less worried about the Dolphins' run offense than I was the first time we met them. So that's good. That's a positive thing. I'm also less worried about Ryan Fitzpatrick than we were. Because Ryan Fitzpatrick is not the kind of quarterback who, uh-oh, he's seen you once, now he can pick you up. Ryan Fitzpatrick had a good game against us last time. A really good game. I think it's much more likely that our defense adjusts to Fitz than Fitz adjusts to our defense. I am far more worried about our offense versus their defense than I am our defense versus their offense for the reasons I just mentioned. Bills win if. Bills win if we score 24 points. Shit. We haven't done that in we haven't done that in a blue moon. I haven't done that since I was in my nappies. You were in your nappies in week two of this year? You, it's a figure of speech. You know. We need to talk about why you were in nappies week two of the 2019 season. Give me your best guess why in your five-star review, and I'll tell you if you're right. All right. Side note, um, what's a nappy? Is it pajamas? No, um, diapers. Is, is that what we call them? We call them nappies? I don't call them nappies. It was a, it's a phrase. Did you not catch the contextual clues of my ridiculous like southern accent? No, I didn't. I'm sorry. Uh, sorry, it wasn't. I've a never heard. I've never heard a, the phrase w- "nappies" used. Wasn't before. a Bane impression. I apologize. Well, then it nappies, wasn't as good as mine. Oh, sweet Jesus! The <laughs> nappies actually. I wonder if nappies are southern or British. It might be both. Sometimes there's a weird crossover. Yeah. Well, that's that's something new. You're gonna find out. If we score 24 points, we win. Bills lose if. Bills lose if. I kind of feel good about this game. I don't know why. If Josh Allen th- turns the ball over twice, we lose. Oof. Twice? Let me think here. We haven't done this in a couple weeks. I want to think about my win if, lose if. How's their offensive line? Not great, Bob. But, to be fair, last Fitz. game... Fitz is hard to sack. Yeah, Fitz, it doesn't, Fitz made our offensive line look de- de- decent in 2011, and they were terrible. So they traded Drake, and they're still good? On the running game? No, they're not. Their running game's worse now. Well, then why did they win last week? I didn't watch the game. Their defense was awesome. Was it? What they? Yeah. Who they play? The Colts. Brian Hoyer looked like garbage. Oh, Hoyer was hot playing. garbage. That's right. I forgot. Brissett was down. Okay. okay the Miami okay. defense. Keelan Blage is not. I'm not. I'm not scared of him at all. Three point two yards a carry kind of player. I'm not. I'm not worried. Kyle Krabs, Draft Network, had an awesome, hilarious email that he shared on Twitter about someone who was an unabashed Keelan Blage fan. And about this email about how he gets better the more he carries the ball. And if he got 20 carries, he'd have well over 100 yards. And then this last week, he had 20 carries for some ridiculously low total of yards. And he posted on his, Kyle posted it on his Twitter and said, I wonder if this guy wants to talk. Because, <laughs> you know, Kyle's a, a, a professional level troll. So, um, yeah. 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 Um, side note, shout out to the Draft Network for their coverage of the Alabama LSU game in Tuscaloosa. If you guys aren't following TDN, I, I mean, I don't know what to tell you. It was it was really good stuff. Joe and Paige and Kyle did a great job in Tuscaloosa this past weekend, and um, there's really some exciting stuff going on there. I'm really happy for their successes. Yeah. Yeah, they deserve it. Hard workers. Really hard workers. All right. Uh, should, we, should we focus on putting it to Singletary? 
Is this still a defense to put it to, to give Singletary, like feed him? Is, yeah. This is still that week? Absolutely. I mean, I don't think Singletary should get 25 carries a game. I think Singletary should get somewhere between 12 and 16 carries every single week and five to seven touches, five to seven targets every week. I think if he's not getting 18 to 22 looks a game, I think it's a mistake. Yeah. I didn't say he should get 22 carries a game, but if he got 13 carries and six targets, I wouldn't I wouldn't consider that a disastrous. I'm going to say Bills win if we create turnovers. I don't think I don't think Miami's offense is they can't withstand it. If they if we if we get turnovers and we get points off of them, I think that that they'll get be we'll get very behind very quickly. Well, see now you added get points off of them. Well, I'm yeah, Jesus, that's not really a guarantee, he, he, is it? Yeah, here would be a good one. If Josh Allen hits a 50-yard pass, we win. Didn't you say that? What did you say? You said if we hit the long ball, I thought. No, I didn't say that. I was thinking about saying it, and I thought you did. That's how highly I well, think of that, you. <laughs> you think so highly. You think so highly of me that, that you I thought I was going to say the things, things that, that you I thought you were going to say. Yeah. All right, all right, cool, 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 yeah. cool, cool, cool. Yeah. I'm going to say Bills lose if if we don't control the line of scrimmage on on offense, and I, I I don't really have a good reason to fear the defenses to fear Miami's like front seven. I just think that. There's a lot of things that I, I just feel good about this week. And one thing that I would be that I think would really, really piss in our Cheerios and, and put a wrinkle in what we're planning on doing and what I think we can do is if our offensive line just gets just no push. Just no push and is leaky. I think that would be bad. And I wouldn't be surprised if they're gonna play a lot of cover zero that Flores is gonna try to he's gonna try to bring pressure. He's gonna try to create create pressure and then he's going to get in Josh Allen's head as a result so that's what I'll say all right well thanks for sticking out with us everybody sorry this was a bit of a rerun for us and I hope that we uh, still gave you something that was worth it Bruce brought the energy for sure and uh, he deserves all the accolades as a result and that's why I think he says the things that I think are right (laughs) (laughs) I want to give you all the accolades for saying those things that I totally thought of first yeah and that you didn't actually say, but I just assume that you did. You just subscribed to me. Yeah, yeah, that's right. That's that's a uh, it's an interesting. You're mental... so smart for saying that thing I thought first <laughs> that you didn't actually say. I just happened to think it was right. Okay, well, hit us up on Twitter. You can find me at Nick Bat N I C K B A T. Oh, uh, yeah. So uh, you can find me at uh, Bruce. Uh, what? <laughs> Bruce exclusive at Bruce exclusive. That's where I'm at. Thanks so much for listening, everybody. Let us know what you think of the pod. Give us a five star review. And even whenever bad things happen, like you lose your audio or you lose to the Cleveland Browns, there's one thing that I think always puts a smile on my face. I do the cha-cha like a sissy girl. I like a do the cha-cha.